0: is the what if i told you podcast a show where we are cautiously dipping our toes in the turbulent waters of the country's most discussed missing person case
1: who has already guessed well we titled these episodes so i can't really say (laughs) who knows i've kind of noticed that and i've never thought about it
0: until now but for the first like two or three minutes of our episodes we're like "Ooh,
1: what are we talking about (laughs) today (laughs) <laughs> We're being really cryptic. <laughs> well, we used to title our episodes something like "Yeah, kitschy and clever.
0: Unrelated.
1: Yeah. Just something dumb. Yeah. But that's not searchable. <laughs> that's true. So, We're making progress. Yeah. So whenever I figured out like, hey, you have to play to the SEO of the app. So we need to put the name in the title. (laughs) (laughs) I think my favorite episode
0: title that we've done this far is... I think we did eventually... When you retitled things, Mm -hmm. I think Skinwalker Ranch's original title was just Down Home Death Metal. It was. It was so great. (laughs) I love it. Yesterday, I actually... um, I needed a laugh, so I went to our Ed Gein episode and just listened to the part where we listed the items found in his house. And I was like, we absolutely should not
1: have published this. Listen, it sometimes, whenever you are reading a bullet point list of some of the worst shit that you could possibly find in a house... The only reaction you can do is laugh.
0: Yeah, I mean, thinking about it now and listening to it yesterday, I think my favorite thing on that list was the lips on the drawstring cord of curtains. How crafty.
1: Listen, Ed Gein was nothing if not a crafty ass bitch. Needed an Etsy page. He If he was out here... Today, he would certainly have an Etsy page. Absolutely. He would be selling some shit. Now, do people want to buy it? That's questionable. But there are fucking weirdos out there There who would buy his shit. Yeah. They'd be like, excuse me, sir. Is that 42 nipples on that belt?
0: Thank you. That's my size. That's my
1: size. (laughs) Oh,
0: goodness gracious. Well, um, this is part one of three Three parts. And you already know why, because you read the title. Right. And I mean, maybe
1: there's people who've not heard about Mora. You know, there probably are. I mean, when I told Dakota what we were doing today, he was like, had no idea. Even though he and I watched the entire documentary series, (laughs) like, (laughs) three years ago. (laughs) We watched, like, a full seven hours on this case together.
0: Dude, this is hands down, my favorite. That's such, that is still such a bad way to
1: say that this is the case I am most interested in. Listen, one of the most popular true crime podcasts is called My Favorite Murder. Well, yeah. this, this crowd, they understand what you yeah. mean. Mora and Bryce,
0: of course, top two. I don't really have a top five, but if I
1: did, those would be the top two. As far as missing person cases, yeah, I think my number one slot has to go to Bryce Laspisa. Yeah, it's fucking weird. Yeah. Um, Update on Bryce Laspisa. We posted the potential sighting in um, Missoula, Montana. Mm -hmm. Not Bryce. Not Bryce. Looked exactly like him. Identical to Bryce. Doppelganger. Weird. But you know what? Maybe this guy is Bryce and he's just like... Doesn't want to be found. So he said, no, I'm not Bryce Laspisa. Well, could have been. Listen, he's made it this long.
0: Why be like, you know what? It's me. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I can't believe I made it this far.
1: Yeah, you got me. Yeah. So I'm just going to go ahead and say, that dude was Bryce. (laughs) And unless somebody comes to me with the DNA markers that shows he is not, then I'll move on. But yeah. I feel like Bryce would not just be like, yeah, it's me. Hey.
0: Well, no. I mean, any missing person that went off on their own, not saying that Bryce went off on his own, we don't know that. Sure. Would absolutely not just, for lack of a better word, turn themselves in.
1: Right. You know? And if he's still. Around in the U.S., odds are he's heard. Yeah. And if he, he probably realizes that if he were to own up to his identity, it's a media circus. Absolutely. And he doesn't want to deal with that. He'd be on
0: every afternoon TV show every out there.
1: Every single one. So he just wants to live his life on his bike. Yeah.
0: So person that was not Bryce, that is Bryce, we see you. We already know. all right just keep doing your thing yeah we're here for it be you as long or not
1: as long as you're out there on your own free will cool yeah live your life dude that's what's up we all listen the rest of us are just jealous we just want to be out here living our lives yeah i mean i don't want my
0: family to think i've gone missing but you know if we could just do whatever the fuck we wanted to. That would be cool. Yeah. With no fear of, you know, the news showing up. <laughs> um, check out our TikTok and the Instagram. Um, the Facebook. It's the same shit that's posted on Instagram. Yeah. And our email is what if I told you podcast at gmail.com. So do that. Mm. And uh it is morning on Saturday. We have coffee. I stopped at Starbucks. Uh, it was an awful experience. So <sighs> Starbucks has not been nailing
1: it lately. It I mean my coffee's good, but My coffee's good. It was the it was the patrons of Starbucks that were not nailing yeah, it. Yeah, I was trying to order
0: <coughs> two drinks and every couple of words I said, someone behind me honked. So They could clearly hear that I was getting straight to the point. Certainly. It's not my fault that they said, hi, welcome to Starbucks. Can you please hold on a moment? Yeah. What do you want me to do, man?
1: It's at these times that I really wish I carried a megaphone with me. So then you could just, like, get out your megaphone and be like, person who is honking. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus. Um, we don't have a Chip's Corner. He's M.I.A., uh, yeah, so we're gonna be filing a missing person missing person report on him. Yes. Post taste and Chip, I don't care if you don't
0: want to be found, we will find you. Yeah, don't tempt us. We'll we'll be finding
1: you. And I will call the news stations. Yeah, we'll have we, the news stations are going to follow us as we are on the trail. Yeah, we're so close to having
0: a camera crew just follow us around everywhere. So
1: mm, yeah, we're out here trying it. I mean. <laughs>
0: We're, we may have think- some big things up our sleeves. We're thinking about it. <laughs> oh goodness gracious. So yeah, sorry everyone's let down because Chip is not doing his job. Chip,
1: what do you have to say for yourself here?
0: Ridiculous.
1: Ah! Aww. Brody just sent me a picture of a white cat. Is it an albino cat?
0: I'm Does just it have gonna red say eyes? bring it home. Mm. Um, also for the eighth of you that are following us on Instagram, you've seen our newest pod pet, Chino. He's, uh, precious. He is the most hyper thing I've ever come into contact with, aside from Artie. Listen, <laughs> Artie has that
1: position lock.
0: Dude. They are... In sync with each other. Yeah. But just imagine already being small enough to just zip all over the goddamn place, including
1: high spots. Yeah, it would. I mean, nothing would be safe. Nothing.
0: He is a really good cat, though. He pisses Binks off every two or three minutes. Mm-hmm. But Binks just kind of pins him down to the floor and has like a telepathic talk with him. Like, mm-hmm. settle the fuck down.
1: Yeah, it took April several weeks before she was like okay this thing can stay when we first got Artie because when he was a puppy he was exactly as he is now but he was a tiny furball yeah and this is April in her prime before she injured her leg and then you know got fat but this was back in muscle puppy days (laughs) and so he would be like juking her and doing all these things. And she's always been muscly, mm-hmm. not necessary necessarily agile. Yeah. Because she's heavy. Right. But he would just be, like, z- juking around her, and then she would stand there, watch him, and then just paw. Yeah. Just paw him to the ground. It's
0: all they need to do. Yeah. They're bigger. They have the authority in this situation.
1: Yeah, she just had to assert her dominance and it has a blue eye and a green eye. That's very precious. Not an albino, though, so I'm a little disappointed.
0: I'm just going to say, yeah, I'm going to need that.
1: Um, okay. Okay, let's start. Fuck. So um, today we're tackling the juggernaut that is Maura Murray. Maura Murray. So, as you probably already know, this case is gigantic. That is an understatement. It's it's unending. It is literally unending. You could go on for days, and I mean, the Missing Maura Murray podcast has like four hundred episodes. That's hundreds and hundreds of hours of content specifically mm-hmm. about Maura Murray's case. Yeah. Like, Tim and Lance are out here fucking doing it. Yeah. <laughs> that is the biggest commitment I've ever seen. I think, because I started listening to the Missing Maura Murray podcast back in, like, 2017 or 18. Mm-hmm. And they started it in 2015, I think.
0: Yeah, I want to say when I started it, which I've never finished it. Same. I think I got to, like, episode 70 or 80, and I was like, I cannot do this anymore. I think I was able to listen to, like, 200 of their episodes. I loved it. It's not that it's a bad podcast at all, but I was like, holy fuck, I need to take a break for my mental health.
1: Yeah, sometimes, because you just, the rabbit holes, it just, it, you can go in any direction Mm -hmm. and just get lost absolutely in the theories and this and that and my brain loves that sort of thing we had this conversation last night when we had sushi i will get down in the trenches of something which is why i love bend the knee is a song of ice and fire podcast i've listened to like 193 of their episodes bruh (laughs) it's intense I have no idea why my brain loves to do that. But if there's like... I just want all of the information about something. I think that's what it is. If I'm into something and I like it, I want to know every single thing about it. And something like Maura Murray, you can't. Yeah. Once you know like the basics, then after that, it's just like... It's up to you. How can you connect the dots? If yeah. we connect them in this way, then you get this. If you do it this way, you get this. What about this? And then there's that. It's wild. Yeah. It's the same thing with Game of Thrones because it's not finished.
0: Well, and that's why I'm glad that we're breaking it up in three parts, but also not putting so much into it that people that, people that don't like doing that (laughs) listen to all three of the episodes yeah yeah so I do like doing that I think sometimes it I need to take a break from it Mm -hmm. but
1: yeah it's it's wild but I tried to pick one because we're gonna break the three episodes up the first episode which would be this one We're just basically going to cut, do like a brief synopsis of what happens so you can situate yourself in the case. And then we're going to talk about the weeks leading up to her disappearance. Episode two is going to be like the days before her disappearance, the day of her disappearance. And then the third one is just all theories. And I tried to pick theories that. Are the big theories that mm-hmm. everyone talks about? Because there's one blog that is strictly devoted, it goes through every single theory that exists. It's long as fuck. It's going to be in our sources because I did pull from it, obviously. Yeah. But it, I mean, there are theories on there that I didn't have never even heard on Missing Maura Murray. And I was just like, dude. This is fucking insane. So, I picked out the big ones. And that's all. But, whatever we don't hit on, you guys can send us an email or a DM and say, this is the theory that I like and you didn't talk about it. Yeah. That would be cool.
0: So. Here's the overview that you all need pay very close attention on february 9th 2014 god damn that was a long time ago 2004 bro oh duh. 2004 <laughs> on know I said 14 on february 9th 2004
1: i was in the fourth grade i was
0: you were in the eighth grade
1: yeah i was in the
0: eighth grade between four and five p.m Mora Murray left the UMass, UMass Amherst campus and headed north, presumably on I-91. And it's basically universe, universally accepted that Mora was headed for the White Mountains of New Hampshire. A little after seven, Faith Westman, who was a resident who lived off of Route 112, a.k.a. How do you say that word? Ammanusic. Wild Ammanusic Road, she heard a ruckus outside, and when she looked out of her window, she saw that a car had crashed into a snowbank along the road. This area of Route 112, where the accident occurred, was near Haverhill, New Hampshire, and there was a hairpin curve in the road, and this is where Mora Ma- went off the road into the snowbank. So, Pull up pictures of this as you're listening.
1: It looks like it's not even a road. It's so remote. Yeah, yeah. It's not
0: somewhere you want to be at after dark in the snow.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because I think... Now, there's so many details of this case that just are in my brain. I believe there had been a snowstorm, like, in the days before... February 9th yeah because it was almost like two foot of snow right right and I think the road if you look at pictures of the scene I believe the road looks clear Mm -hmm. but it's that if you're from an area that gets snow like we are a clear road in snowy weather means jack shit right it's probably still slick as hell
0: yeah so Faith called the Grafton County Sheriff at seven twenty-seven p.m. to report the accident. In the meantime, a neighbor of Faith named Butch Atwood was driving and actually passed the scene in his school bus. He was a school bus driver. Yeah, that he just didn't personally drive the school bus. <laughs> so he saw the car and also um, saw that a person was walking around the car. So he stopped um He noticed that the young woman didn't appear to have any like obvious injuries. She wasn't bleeding or anything like that, but she was shivering and appeared very cold. Obviously, it's February, right? So Butch offered to call nine one one for her, and she asked him not to and assured him that she had already called AAA. And if those of you who don't know what AAA is, it's basically like an emergency roadside assistance thing. Yep. So, Butch knew that there wasn't cell service in that area. So, she was most likely lying about calling AAA. So, he actually drove home and called the police from there. And his call was made at 7.43 p.m. So, not even a full 20 minutes after Faith called the sheriff's office. Mm -hmm. While Butch was getting to his house, another witness drove by the scene um, she was just a local that was on her way home from work, and she stated that she passed the scene at around 7.37 p.m. So this was before Butch called, mm-hmm. and she saw Mora's car nose-to-nose with a police SUV. Mm-hmm. So keep in mind, there's she didn't see anyone else around. Right. Which this had to have been... In, in my mind, like, maybe after Butch talked to M- Mora and went home and called in that yeah.
1: six-minute time frame. that's That was my assumption because he would have had to, and we're obviously going to break this down a lot more later, but he would have had to, because it said he lived about 100 yards from where the scene was. Right. So he would have had to drive home, park his bus, which I feel like is... Kind of a shit show. In the snow, especially. In the the snow. Get out of his bus, get inside, and make the call. Right. So I feel like he probably got into his driveway, this car came by, didn't see anyone, whatever. Right. According to the official
0: police log, at 746, a Haverhill police officer arrived on the scene, but no one was there. Um, The female... Driver that reported uh, wasn't there either. Mora wasn't there. Right. It was then noted that the car had gone through a snowbank and hit a tree on the driver's side of the car. So there was severe damage to the driver's side headlight and the impact had smashed the radiator into the fan of the vehicle. And the car was completely undrivable and wouldn't even start. Um, The windshield was cracked on the driver's side and both of the airbags had deployed. But the car was also locked. And of course, the police were able to unlock it. And they found red stains inside and outside of the car um, that seemed to be like red wine stains. And they also found a box of Franzia wine inside of the car.
1: Which seems obvious. If there's wine stains and there's a box of Francia, like... Right. Let's let's use our deductive skills. That's probably what that's from. Yeah. So,
0: the police did not see Maura at the scene. And she has never been seen since. And, of course, there is much more that happens. Um... And these minutes, literally minutes.
1: Literally minutes.
0: But we have to discuss those later or we'll never get through anything else.
1: No, no. We could linger (laughs) over the details for
0: hours. Yeah, and we are not going to do that. We really don't want to do that to you. So it's very important that everyone just know the basics of what happened. Mm -hmm. So it's easier to understand Or not understand the things that happened.
1: Yeah. 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 Okay. So now that you know, we've set the tone for what has happened to Maura, we're going to go all the way back to her birth. (laughs) Why not? Why not? We're going to just tell you basically who Maura Murray is slash was. Yeah. Depending on what you believe. So... Mora was born May 4th, whoa, we just celebrated her birthday recently. How Dude. the fuck has this happened multiple times? I don't understand. We are recording this on May 6th. Yeah. Happy birthday, Mora. Yeah. Dude, okay. how the fuck has this been happening so This has many happened times. like
0: three or four or five times. Yeah,
1: it has. Jesus H. She would have been, she, 40. 40 years old. God damn! Jeez. This is completely unintentional. Yeah. Every time it's been unintentional. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, so Maura was born May 4th, um, 1982 in Brockton, Massachusetts. She was the fourth of five children to Fred and Lori Murray. Uh, the, Murray the Murray family... Murray? Murray? Sometimes I feel weird saying it. Yeah. The Murray family lived in the small Massachusetts suburb of Hanson which was located near the south shore of Massachusetts. Um, Moore was close with her four siblings. Um, She had an older brother named Fred Jr., two older sisters, Kathleen and Julie, and a younger brother named Curtis. Um, Fred and Lori Murray ended up getting a divorce when Mora was six years old. I think she had a fairly routine childhood. Divorce yeah. is pretty common. Um, six is pretty young, so hopefully she got out of it fairly unscathed. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so Mora went to high school at Whitman Hanson Regional, and she was a really accomplished student academically and athletically she was a track star on the track team i believe she ran cross country she was more of a distance runner i think yeah i can't remember um i don't know track i I don't know i hate running absolutely it's it's really terrible i didn't have to run the mile in high school because i was pregnant So, that was a win. I had to run the mile freshman year. I only took gym freshman year. I only took it senior. I wanted to get that shit over with. Not that, I mean, I don't mind playing sports and whatever, but I just, like, wanted to do other shit. Yeah. You know, so, I was like, let's get this out. Because I took the college prep courses, so I only had so many electives. Yeah. And I thought I wanted to take calculus, and turns out... Uh, calculus sucks. Absolutely. I took it, (laughs) and it sucked. (laughs) Trig was much better. It was probably my teacher. He was kind of an idiot. You can't be an an idiot and teach calculus. (laughs) Just, I don't know if that's obvious, but... I feel like it is. It should be. Anyway, that's... I digress. Anyway, so she was a really accomplished track star, but she was also a really talented basketball player. I think track was her focus, but obviously whenever you're in high school, you kind of play sports seasonally. So when she was off track season, it was basketball season. So yeah, there you go. Um, Moore graduated high school with honors and essentially had her pick of colleges, some even Ivy Leagues. Uh, she was accepted into the U.S. Military Academy at West Point and chose to go there. Uh, her older sister, Julie, was already at West Point. Now, I've loosely heard about West Point just in life, but until diving into the Maura Murray case, I had never knew really anything about it. I knew it was a military academy, but... I had never had any interest in joining the military, so I just kind of wrote it off. Like, I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) But apparently it's a super prestigious college and incredibly difficult to get accepted into. Not only do they require elite academic performance, but you also have to get a letter of recommendation from a United States senator. God damn. So they're not fucking playing. Um, So obviously the acceptance rate, now you have to have letters of recommendation when you apply to almost any university. Um, So obviously if she's applying to Ivy Leagues as well, like Harvard and Yale, for example, she would have had letters of recommendation to both of those institutions also, but they don't have to, they're usually um, teachers. Mm Mm-hmm. That's usually when you get a letter of re- recommendation to apply to almost any college. They want professors who know you because they're attesting to your academic potential. Right. So she probably got professor recommendations for Harvard and Yale. But the acceptance rate for Harvard and Yale teeter around 10% for undergrad. Sometimes it's a little less, as low as like 7%. Um, But usually it's right around 10%, which is incredibly low, Hmm. just (laughs) for the record. Um, KU, where I went to law school, um, I think their undergrad acceptance rate is somewhere around 65%. Oh, damn. That is very low then. Yeah. just Just setting the tone. Um, So 10% is usually the Ivy's where they lie as far as acceptance rates. So West Point is clearly probably around 5%, honestly, if they also re- require a letter of recommendation from a senator. Anyway, um, so while she was at West Point, Morris studied chemical engineering. God damn. Um, and she remained at West Point for her freshman and sophomore years, which um, some people like to point to as indicative, but really we're going to explain it. So after her first two years, Maura decided to transfer from West Point to UMass Amherst to study nursing. Um, So in just a little, we're going to talk about her legal issues and stuff that she faced at West Point, but her transfer was not as a result of the incident. Apparently it's standard at West Point After students complete two years of coursework, they have the option to transfer out. Now, if they decide to stay at West Point, it is then that they are kind of agreeing to a military career. Yeah. So, I don't know if at this point they actually contract to join the military or if it's just more of like uh, an agreement or either way... At the halfway point, you have to make a decision, do I want a military career, do I not? And if you don't, you transfer out, and that's what Mora did. She didn't want a military career, and obviously that's not for everyone. Right. So she transferred to UMass Amherst, which is elite academically. It's not an IV, which I'm guessing the disciplinary action she had on her record probably prevented her from transferring to an IV. But it was still really, really strong academically. Okay, so as we um, not so subtly alluded to, we're going to talk about her legal troubles, um, which are really minuscule. So Maura had a few petty infractions between her years at West Point and her years at UMass. Um, So at West Point, she got caught stealing $5 worth of makeup from a store on campus, That's incredibly trivial. Yeah. Um, But West Point has really strict policies regarding things like this. Um, So even though $5 is almost not even enough to... If you were to steal $5 worth of shit from a store, like, down the street from here, they would just make you return the shit and leave. Like, it's not even worth calling the police over. No. So... But because this is West Point, and she's on literally the Fort Knox campus, yeah. <laughs> they had a disciplinary hearing. Um, her older sister Julie, I think she was an upperclassman, uh, testified that the ceiling incident was out of character for Mora, and that Mora was really remorseful. And she, it was probably an accident. She wasn't intentionally trying to do it. Um, you know, because why would you intentionally steal $5? It's like one makeup item. Maybe yeah. she was at the store, she had it in her hand, and she just walked out with it. Yeah. Honestly, I've done it. I, <laughs> I, I think I was with Ariel, actually. Shout out to Ariel. She does our music. Um, we were at the store <laughs> trying, and I like put on sunglasses. mm mm-hmm. Just like these hideous ass sunglasses. And I just wore them around the store and just fucking left with them on my face. <laughs> and we got in the car and left, and I was like, dude, I stole these. <laughs> Did you take them back? No, I just fucking kept them. <laughs> but it happens. Uh, well, you know. yeah.
0: I've walked out of like restaurants with the glass in my hand, and I'm like, i'm gonna go put this back now yeah it, i get it it does happen
1: you know so you know maybe it maybe that is what happened maybe she did just go in there carry something around you know yeah and you forget that something's in your hand like when your phone's in your hand and you're like where the fuck is my phone at Mm-hmm. you know what so, happens to everyone happens to everyone and if you say that it doesn't happen to you you're lying um so who knows exactly what the situation is but I mean, come on, $5. So she goes through the disciplinary hearing essentially unscathed. Um, She continued attending West Point. I think this happened in her freshman year, and she still had another, at least another semester to complete there. Yeah. So they either believed that she didn't mean to do it or that she was sorry she did it. So they just kind of let it go. And after the two years, she transfers to UMass, um, as we talked about before, because of not wanting a military career. And now we're at UMass. So it's her junior year. So it's her first year at UMass. I think when this happened, she was actually in her first semester at UMass. Yeah, I think so. uh, Because this is fall 2003. So, in November of 2003, Moore was actually caught using a stolen credit card to order delivery to her room. So, not good. It's so not good, but it's actually, even though it's like credit card fraud and that's a big deal, the fact that she was only using it to order food is really kind of precious.
0: Yeah, and like not shopping online. And yeah, like that. she's
1: she's not out here buying like a fucking Birkin. Yeah, she's buying pizza. Yeah, so I don't know. It kind of just seems. I understand it's a big deal, and she obviously has to face the consequences for doing it. But it's also kind of like, come on, she's ordering food, bro. Yeah. Um. She'd been doing it for a little while. Um. And it really kind of. Seems like the police were doing some sort of sting operation on it, <laughs> which sounds so silly uh, because they really set her up. She ordered some pizza on a night in November 2003, and when it was delivered, it wasn't, like, delivered. The, pe- the police just showed up at her dorm, and they, like, detained her there. They took mugshot of her, but they didn't officially arrest her or take her to jail, So she was essentially ticketed and charged. And then in December, she went to like court. And I'm guessing this is all handled on campus. This isn't like city police or state police. This is campus police. And she ended up getting six months of probation, three months to be supervised probation. And I believe. The deal on the table was that the charge would be dismissed if she completed the three months of supervision successfully. So, really, she has three months of probation to complete. She got a slap on the wrist for she it. She got a slap on the wrist. Yeah. So, which I feel like makes sense. Absolutely. You know, she's ordering pizza. Yeah, she's not assaulting people. She's not, yeah, she's not assaulting people. She didn't rack up thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Uh, One thing to note about the food is a lot of people like to linger on the idea that she's ordering large amounts of food every time she orders. Mm -hmm. Like multiple sub sandwiches at one time, large pizzas, like a ton of food at once. So there are allegations out there that she was possibly bulimic and had an eating disorder. Yeah. Um, People talk about that a lot. Um, That can really deteriorate your mental health, obviously. No one's ever been able to prove definitively if she had an eating disorder. Of course not. Obviously. So who knows? That's just something that's out there. Okay. So now we are at a few weeks
0: before she disappeared. On the evening of... Thursday, February 5th, she gets a call at work. Okay, so we're in the evening of Thursday, February 5th, into the early morning hours of Friday, February 6th. Um, Mora had a campus job where she manned a desk at the entrance of one of the dorm buildings. So she was essentially there to make sure everyone entering had their ID, of course, and actually lived there.
1: The people that work front desk at dorms don't don't really give a shit who's coming in and out. I lived in one; they didn't check my ID one time. Hmm. Just, so just you know, if that makes you feel safe, um, that made <laughs> me feel unsafe. <laughs> so on the evening of February fifth, two thousand
0: four, Mora reported to work at seven p.m. and she was scheduled to work until one forty-five a.m. Super weird schedule. Yeah. At 7.17 p.m., Mora called her boyfriend. Um, his name was Billy, and the call lasted 20 minutes. At 9.56 p.m., she called him again, and this call lasted six minutes. And then at 10.10 p.m., Mora received a call on her cell phone from her older sister Kathleen, and this call lasted 28 minutes. At 12.07 p.m., Mora spoke on the phone with her boyfriend, again, for seven minutes. And then at 12.20 a.m., police responded to an accident scene when a fellow UMass student, Patrit Vassy, was hit by a car at the intersection of Triangle and Mattoon. Um, as he was crossing the street near campus, which was about a mile from where Mora was working at the Melville Hall. And sometime around one to one thirty AM, Mora's supervisor, her name was Karen, was <laughs> notified that Mora was at her workstation in tears. So Kara goes to check on Mora and found her in like this catatonic state. And Mora was staring straight ahead and just allowing students into the building without checking their IDs. So Karen decided to relieve Mora, obviously, and she was just so distraught that she was even unable to sign herself out of work. So her boss had to do it for her. She was sobbing uncontrollably. And the only thing that she was saying is she was muttering the words, my sister, um, when she was being asked what was wrong so karen initially just insisted on taking mora to the campus counseling center but instead accompanied mora to her dorm which was nearby mora lied to karen saying that her roommate was in the dorm room to keep her company so the supervisor was fine to just leave her there but mora resided in a single dorm so she did not have a roommate at 3.40 a.m., Mora called Domino's for pizza delivery. I didn't know Domino's was open that late. Could be a college campus thing. Yeah. Back to Patreet Vassy. Um, He was a student at UMass. Duh. And in the late night hours of February 5th into the early morning hours of February 6th, 2004... Patreet was found unconscious on the side of the road at the intersection um, on an Amherst campus. Patreet remembers being out that night with a friend and drinking, but not much else, of course. Police actually state that his injuries were consistent with either being hit by a car or falling out of a moving car. And Patreet has stated that, I can't confirm or refute that I was thrown from the car but I think I was hit. All of Patreet's injuries were to the right side of his body, and he was actually in a coma for a month after the accident. When he woke up from the coma, he said he thought that he was 27 instead of 21. He spent several months in physical therapy and was confined to a wheelchair for the first week, and then he had to use a cane for about six months after that. Eventually, he would regain his ability to walk unassisted, although he does say it's still difficult. Of course it is. Yeah. So the hit and run of Patreet was one of the several students who were victims of hit and runs on that campus around that time, which is super fucking weird. Yeah. Um. I can understand how accidents like that would happen at college campuses, but for it to be like... Regular? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe do something about that.
1: Yeah. Light the know. shit up everywhere. Yeah. Put more lights out
0: there. Yeah. Now, the reason we're telling you about this is because some think that it was Mora who hit Patreet. Their main reasoning is that it was the night of February 5th um, when Mora's boss found her just inconsolable at her job. So some speculate that she was so upset because of the accident and it actually had nothing to do with her sister. We'll, of course, talk about this more. And the theories portion. Um, but, you know, it's a it's something to think about.
1: It's out there. Yeah. You know. Okay. So, now we're going to talk about the state of Morris car. Uh, because this is kind of a big deal in the scheme of things. So, Morris car was a black 1996 Saturn. Um, so... Uh, Apparently, from what Fred Murray, her father, says, her car was just fucked. Yeah. Um, And just a a side note, some say that the damage to her car, because her car is impounded. The police currently have her car still. And some say that the damage to her car that we attribute to the accident is actually from hitting Patrice Vassie. Uh, again, we will discuss that later. Mm-hmm. Um, according to the reports, based on what Fred Murray has said, that her car smoked a lot and didn't run very well, So, and it wasn't, like, reliable at all. I don't think there was actually... It wasn't damaged. It wasn't, like, falling apart. It was just apparently maybe a mechanical thing, Um It does seem a little odd that her car was in such bad shape. Like, when you hear people talk about it, like, if you've listened to Missing Maura Murray, the podcast, or watched any of the documentaries, uh, Fred Murray, and really the whole Murray family, really contends that her car was in a really, really bad state. Mm -hmm. Like, it was really, really bad. Which is so weird, because at this point, her car's only eight years old. Yeah, that's really not... That's
0: not an old, I mean, unless you just have never taken care of it in the time that you've had it.
1: That's exactly what I, like, my current car is, how, how I got it in 2016, so that's what, six, six years? Yeah. Yeah, my car's six years old, and it's in perfect running condition. Yeah. And two years from now, it will be in the, probably the exact same condition it's in now, unless, obviously, I wreck it. Right. But my car that I had before my current car was a lot older than eight years old. You know, it's just, you know, eight years is just almost nothing in the life of a car. Yeah. If you do the bare bones of car maintenance. Exactly. Um. So obviously it's possible that, the, that her car was just a bad car. I think sometimes... In the manufacturing process, you get one dud. So it's possible that her car was just a dud and didn't run very well from the jump. And that that's the problem here. Could be. So that's plausible. Um, it also could be that she was bad at car maintenance, didn't change her oil ever. Maybe she didn't have it serviced or whatever else you do to a car to keep it in tip-top shape.
0: Right, and like you said, bare minimum, like, get the oil changed.
1: Yeah, if you get the oil changed, that's it.
0: I mean, really, unless there's something, like, just not working. Right. No one's out there just checking the status of everything under the hood, you know, once a month.
1: I know, unless you're Dakota, like, you're not doing that. Right. Like, he checks the status of his vehicles every day or something. Like, it's fucking crazy. But he loves his cars. Right. And this is a college. Girl. this is a college. This car is simply a tool, right? So if her car was in such bad state, maybe it's just because she didn't take care of it. It's also possible that maybe prior to all the events we've talked about, that she wrecked it and then just n- never told anyone, and it fucked it up. yeah. So, who knows? It's just weird. And her car is going to come up again outside of the accident. So oh, yeah. Well. Uh, so, I don't know. Was her car actually in bad shape or was it not? This, is, this is up for debate. We don't know. Amongst everyone. Um, okay. So, now we're going to talk about her dad who visits her at Amherst. So the weekend before, so just a few days before Maura's disappearance, Fred Murray goes to Amherst to take her shopping for a new car. Um, Before hitting Amherst, Fred Murray made several stops at ATMs to get out cash that totaled about $4,000. Obviously, most ATMs won't let you take out four grand in one. Go. So you have to go. To several. Yeah. I think the most I can take out of an ATM with my debit card is like $600 or something. Yeah, it's less than 1000 Yeah, it's yeah. definitely less than 1000 So, dude made a lot of stops to get this cash. Some question why he would take out so much money for Mora to get a new car since his house was currently in foreclosure. Uh, especially because a lot of Mora's friends claim her car was fine. So, okay. Uh... Sometime during the daytime hours of Saturday, February 7th, he arrives with the $4,000 that he claims was to help Mora get a new car.
0: And to play devil's advocate, I feel
1: like four grand
0: is a reasonable amount of cash to have on hand to buy a used vehicle in cash at that time. I agree. Um, and I don't want to get into it too much, but like touching on the foreclosure thing, parents' good parents do a lot of shit for their kids that Mm -hmm. they probably shouldn't have to. Yeah. But you know, I know if I desperately needed a new car as a college student, my mom would absolutely do everything she could to help me in that situation. Yeah. Of course we don't know this situation, but when people speculate about this a lot, which I can see why they do, Mm -hmm. I'm like, or it could have just been, he wanted to help his daughter get a new car. Yeah, so he could sleep at night knowing that she had reliable transportation.
1: Right. You know, it's But we just, don't know. We're we're throwing everything at the wall at this point. Yeah. So Fred and Mora go car shopping allegedly. Some people call this into question because none of the local dealerships have any record of Mora and Fred going in to look at cars, although it's possible they were shopping through private dealers, which if they have $4,000 and are buying a used car, odds are they're probably going through private dealers. No fucking way are you going to a dealership and paying 4000 grand and leaving with a car. Right. Without a car payment. Not even in 2004. No. So... It makes much more sense that they were going to private dealers, or like private sellers on Craigslist. So after the shop, the car shopping, Fred took Mora and her friend Kate Markopoulos to dinner, and then he went back to his hotel room, and let Mora and Kate take his new car to a party. He also took them to buy alcohol prior to getting to the party. Uh, Maura and her friends were 21, so I don't think this is a fact that's that sinister. You know, when I was 21, I mean, my parents would have bought me liquor if I asked them to. No big deal. Um, Some people like to linger on this. Why would he buy her alcohol? She's fucking 21. Yeah. Get over it. Um, and he maybe just took them there so they could go in and get it themselves. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. They're of age. Um, people also like to say, why would he let them take his car to the party if he knew they were drinking? The party was at their friend Sarah Altieri's dorm, which was walking distance from Mora's dorm. So he probably assumed they were just going to drive to campus, park the car, and either stay at Sarah Altieri's or walk to Mora's dorm. Right. This is not sinister. People just like to make it a big deal. Anyway, so Mora and her friends are at Sarah Theories for this party. There is a bit of mystery around this party. Um, Kate and Sarah are both pretty tight-lipped about what happened this night. Uh, neither one of them can recall a single other person that was at the party. That nice. was... At Sarah Altheory's dorm. Sus. Some people say this was a fucking rager and the place was packed. And other people say there weren't that many people there. So, so was it a large party? Was it a small kickback? Who was there? Was anyone there? Was there even a party? Because no one has ever come forward either saying that they were at this party. Very weird. Yeah. Yeah. I am so confused. You can't even guess. Like, these are the, give the police a list of, these are the people we usually party with. Mm-hmm. Maybe reach out to them. Because at this point, if I'm thinking back to, like, house parties or field parties I used to go to in high school, I probably couldn't tell you who was definitely there, but I could tell you who was probably there. Exactly. This is who I was probably with, and this is who was also probably there. Yeah. Come on. What's up, Kate? Kate? Um, so Maura leaves the party at some point, not with Kate or Sarah. She, it's speculated, did she leave on her own? Did she just leave and not tell anyone she was leaving? The dogs are barking now. Um, so there's a lot of mystery around her leaving the party. No one knows really what time she left, but she leaves and ends up crashing her father's new car. God. damn take the keys
0: away from this girl take
1: the keys some kids wanted to mow our yard oh i know dakota's very specific though so i had to say try across the street kid i hate when people show up at my house i
0: know it's 2022 just stop do not approach <laughs> the door is closed stop it Like, what if you worked nights, and you had just drifted off to sleep, and someone made your dog start barking just to ask you to
1: mow the goddamn yard? I would throw wet paper towels at them. (laughs) Okay. Where freaking was I? $10,000
0: worth of damage.
1: More crashes or dad's car. It's new. $10,000 of damage. Just throw the car away. It's done for. So, she hit a guardrail on, like, an off-ramp or on-ramp. And... Obviously, police respond. The car's not drivable. So, (sighs) some people speculate that Maura was drinking when she wrecked. But, we worked in law enforcement on the court side. If she had been drinking and hit a guardrail, she's getting a DUI, hands down. Right. Like, I get people like to say, oh, the town cop, maybe let her off. Uh, You you Uh, don't see a lot of cops letting people off for drinking and driving. You don't, especially if there's a wreck and the car has to be towed. Yeah. So she was probably just sober and just fucking wrecked. Yeah. Where was she going? I don't know. She does end up having the car towed to her dad's hotel. And she rode in the tow truck back with the car. So she ends up at her dad's hotel room. Um, it's unclear if she was actually ticketed for the accident. I don't think so. Um, so she wasn't even ticketed, didn't get a DUI. She was probably not drinking. So she just wrecked. Um, maybe she was tired. So she gets to the hotel and gets into her dad's room I think she ends up sleeping on the couch, but Fred didn't actually know she was there until he woke up the next morning, so he didn't even wake up when she, like, entered the room. How'd she get in the room? She probably just went to the front desk and asked for a key. That's scary. That is scary. But, or maybe he got an extra key and she had one. Could be. These are things we need to know. Hey, did Maura have a key to his hotel room? She had to have because she got in there. Or she's just a really, really good at picking locks. Could be. We don't know. Maybe she had one of those like rollout kits and she just like kneels down, rolls out her kit, pulls up the little things and she's just like. <laughs> That's a really top notch skill to have that I wish I had. Oh, did they get in? Oh, I see a nose. Oop. She's
0: like, did I do a good job?
1: She did. She did an excellent job. Um, so, the there were also accident report forms. Um, those come up again, but it's probably an insurance thing. You you certainly have to have an accident report. Yeah. So that's kind of it on the. You know, we're gonna wrap up part one. Yes, I couldn't find this information. Is
0: it on the? facebook page
1: you know it probably is on the facebook page but yeah so this is kind of where we're going to cut off here for part one with the so we're at sunday february 8th when we leave mora at this point
0: hold on let me i'm joining this group really quick okay i thought i was a member of this group
1: and you are not Mm mm-mm
0: here okay um we would like to end the episode with our typical please rate subscribe blotty blah um, send us a message but if you have seen Mora or anyone matching her description or just have any information about her whereabouts you can reach out to the new hampshire cold case unit At 603-271-2663. And if you would like, you could join the Facebook page for the Missing Maura Murray podcast. Yep. They have a lot of shit on there. That's where I literally just got this number. Um, They list the cold case unit rather than just the New Hampshire State Police, which you could, of course, also call.
1: Right. So, if you know something... Just let them know. Yeah. I mean, you know, don't just sit on it. Just just reach out and call them. Yeah. You can report things anonymously as well if you're, like, afraid of something.
0: Yeah. And if it turns out to be nothing, then it turns out to be nothing. That's right. You That's, did your due diligence. You did all of it. So. So please come back next week because, of course, we're going to get into the nitty gritty of the accident and the witnesses and that is of course something that you definitely need to hear about and know about that's
1: right that's right so um yeah we'll see you next week absolutely and uh, we've already shouted out to ariel on her work for our music but we're just gonna do it again ariel what's up i need to meet ariel you really do. Yeah. I'll I, take you to meet her, but it's going to mean that you step out of your comfort zone a little. So. Yeah. We'll see about that. This is a growing moment, and you're going to do it. <laughs> I have to pee. Okay, great. Um, so, do the things and the stuff, and please be kind to each other. And stay weird. Mm, bye. bye.